Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. On today's show, we have Scott Everlovin Anderson from Have Gun Will Travel. Uh, this is a band that I have always heard about and I was so stoked that he reached out to me and said he would uh, be willing to come on the show. Uh, I think I first became aware of you through Sean Kyle. He comes up right. and you, you guys come up in conversations with him yeah, yeah. often. And uh, anytime I have a guest on the show as a musician, I try to listen to music that uh, they remind me of or from okay. the ilk. And so today there was a lot of Uncle Tupelo. Okay. There was Jayhawks, early Wilco, obviously yeah, Bob yeah. Dylan, you know, a very Americana folky sure. type yeah, of sound. Yeah. So if that's your thing, this band is right up your alley. Uh, I've, the last week since we kind of discussed you coming on, I've been schooling myself on okay. it and it's great. It's great music. It's, you know, there's not a bad pick on any of the album. You can kind of listen to the album the whole way through. Sure. Yeah, and, yeah. uh, you know, that's, that's kind of rare these days. And, you know, even though vinyls become a thing, sure. Everything yeah. is so single driven. It's like, right, you don't even right. really need a, a, a physical album or even a, ideal album you know you can just kind of drop releases here drop and there. songs dropping ones and zeros what's yeah. your most recent album that came out within the strange, past strange chemistry and is that the one that's kind of a uh it's got the red cover with the washed out marshall stack right but it's a uh, it's a what's what's the concept it's album. not the concept that's album. not the concept the album. previous record, previous one was a concept science album. from an easy chair was okay. the concept record that was the one that sean kyle produced gotcha yeah, yeah. we've self-produced all of our other records but we needed him to kind of help steer in that concept. Yeah. It was the first one where I just played guitar and slide on the record. I didn't, you know, run the board and set up the mics and, you know, drag. Uh, what do you, what do you think? Do you like it better that way or? Um, no. No, you like no, that? I, I like, of- I like being into the thing. I loved working with Sean and I trusted him and we've known each other for a long time. We've gone through our rows. Like we've known each other since we were not little kids, but young bucks on sure. the scene or whatever. And, uh, that was a, it was a, Big relationship builder, I think, with him going through that process and handing it's like over a marriage, reins, handing over the reins of something that I had kind of I'd steered that Always boat done. for for records prior to that, and it was it was a cool experience. But and you know we we're stoked about the the way it turned out and the way it looked and the reviews we got and all that kind of stuff. But so did yeah. you guys produce the newest one? We did. Okay, we, we self produced the newest one. It's yeah. funny because. Um, you know, in, in a lot of ways, I compare it and I always I say this and then I feel like an imposter because I've never recorded an album or anything, <laughs> but it's almost like cooking in some way. Like there's a little bit of salt to taste and you're this, that Absolutely. and the other. It's it's yeah. And uh, you, you you taste along the way, too. Right. Gotta, yeah. It's like referencing a little bit more, a little bit less. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was listening to a podcast with uh, Troy Saunders, who's the bass player, lead singer for Mastodon, and he okay. was talking about. How every album they decide whether they're going to go back and use Brendan O'Brien or they're going to go try someone new. Yeah, and he's, sure. he was talking about how that's always the debate. You know, do you date someone else and see how that right. goes or do you or the do tried you, and true product that you I know mean, what you're going to get? Brendan O'Brien is a personal hero of mine. I actually saw him playing with the Georgia Satellite right. opening for Bob Seeger and the, oh, the wow. band when I was a kid growing up in Atlanta. 
And he's always been a hero. So if I was them, I'd be, you know, sure. forget about it. I'll, I'll record my little stuff on the side. We're going to go make a record. With Are you from Atlanta or California? From, from Atlanta. Atlanta is such an I amazing. I can pull out the accent if I need to. Oh, well, we'll, we'll see if we can get you. I have some pores light in the fridge. I'm going to need a little more than that. Yeah. Um, so I went to my, my uh, cousin is an assistant director. He's got his, uh, what is it? Not SAG, the director's guild, DGA. The director's guild, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's like Hollywood up there. Well, with COVID. It is now. Yeah, yeah. Well, with COVID sure. and then the whole abortion thing, it kind of there was a big pause pressed uh-huh. on it but yeah um i mean he was working on the walking dead and working on all this other stuff but uh i went up there and visited him and there you'll know where, where this is i don't know where this is but it's it's kind of their ebor and it's like two streets that kind of cross they had, could be a number of places okay could be buckhead could be little five points i think it was little five, little five points okay yeah um there was the Paps Blue Ribbon Fest they had there, and it was yeah, Mastodon sure. and Run the Jewels were the yeah, oh, yeah. were the uh, you know headliners headliners, and that was such an amazing event. You oh, know, yeah. it was so cool yeah. just walking up on that stage and being there, and mm-hmm. just you know Georgia to me. I've always known Georgia as kind of a pass through to like as a kid driving up to New York mm-hmm. or driving up to North Carolina. You know, we'd stop in Savannah. Or we'd stop and wherever it or was. Trying to get it through Atlanta as fast trying as Trying to get could. through Atlanta <laughs> as fast as possible. But I had no idea that there was such a cultural kind of microcosm there. I don't know if that's yeah. recent it, or no, always no. been the it, case. It, it, it's always been the case. You know, there's always been pockets of resistance, we'll, we'll say. How uh, close is that to Athens? Uh, it's a, uh, depending on traffic. It's only about maybe 60 miles, I think, from downtown Atlanta to downtown Athens, but it could take you three or four hours. Because speaking know. of Athens, another band that I heard a lot was R.E.M. and, and oh, your guys' sure. music, you yeah. know, um, that kind of Southern indie rock. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's definitely a, a, a template for me personally sure I, I mean they were the they were the hometown heroes i was thinking everywhere. about it's weird to me crying, you know? sorry t- talking over you sorry. um how they kind of just completely disappeared i mean i know they broke up but they have such a full long deep catalog of music and it's the, not someone you hear about a lot right anymore. they're they're I would say they're kind of similar to you too in I, that fact. I thought that too. In that they're they're continuing to put out product and reissues, and you know if you're in that circle, especially via social media, your feed's going to be full of it, and your fan groups, and and I mean they're still a passionate fan base, right? You know, um, but yeah, they're they kind of hit the end of the line and had some health issues, and yeah, they're all still friends though. Like they're they're, well, they're original popping up manager on other albums, your, yeah, right. And they're oh. still playing. Like Peter Buck's doing the baseball project, and he, I think he played with the Decemberists, or one of them was yeah. playing with the Decemberists. Yeah. I remember another band that would, <laughs> you know, I, I could, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm building a card that you're playing on as sure. I as yeah, I go yeah. through this yeah, in my yeah. head. Well, there was one of the newer singles I was listening to uh, last night or today. One of them I heard, it was weird. I almost heard a Willie Nelson vocal there. And then there's another one where I heard a very Tom Petty, but both of them kind of have a nasally um, delivery. Matt Matt, Matt has the seasonal allergies and sometimes we're recording. It depends on when you record it. Yeah, yeah. He he, he pushes through it and makes it happen. That's awesome. Now, your family, did you come from a musical family or were you kind Um, of the first? No one really. My mom played piano when she was a kid. Um, My family is from North Georgia and South Georgia, you know. My parents kind of met in the middle in, in the Atlanta area. But um, so that 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 sort of bluegrass Irish style music was pretty heavy on my mom's right. side. They, they didn't necessarily play it, but they danced to it. And they went to those Southern style churches and all that. Kind I was going to ask, were they in the whole Bible they, Belt they scene? They weren't. My parents, um, you know, had to grow up in that you know, going to church and all sure. that kind of stuff. And when I was a kid, they would, you know, drop us off at the church for Sunday school and then go to Waffle House or IHOP or right. Sony's or whatever and eat breakfast and come back and pick, pick us up. up. Yeah. 
Um, Try to give you a little bit of religion early on, just to well, you know, it's just you know keeping keeping you involved with kids in the community is for what sure. it was, and and that kind of you know my hometown, that particular church, and all that kind of stuff. It got a little heavy on the town and the big influence, one of the early mega churches and all that kind of stuff. So it kind of pushed me away. But these days I, I play in a church band every Sunday. Well, a little community church. For Safety sure. Harbor, yeah. Church in Safety Harbor. And, you know, it's super chill and non-judgmental and there's, you know, open and diverse and really small. Right. And my kids there, my oldest daughter plays piano and sings. I think that's what happens. I think we are raised in it. Then we get away from it. Then we have kids that bring us back into it. Right. I mean, that, and that happens a lot. I would like to think you get a chance to see through, you know, the, f- the followers and the problems with that and just see through to whatever it is, message it is you're trying to bring your kids. Like there's, there's love and treating people kindly. That's the, yeah. I mean, if it. that's the worst thing you could say about it, that's not right. too bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then spend a, spend an hour being mindful, thoughtful, and maybe, Absolutely. you know, yeah. even if you just go in and meditate, it's not bad, but there's sure. also a very rich history musical history with all of that. Oh, absolutely. And it, yeah, it's yeah. kind of uh, inextricably intertwined with the South, you know, so mm-hmm. you have that Southern bluegrass, but there's also that kind of choir, rich gospel, gospel type yeah, of yeah. stuff. So, and I've, I've really dug into that as a, as a lap steel player the last 14, 15 years. Um, yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of what I want to sound like is psychedelic gospel. So I, could, not, I had, I had John Nowicki talking to, to tangy, I, twangy dread with me the other day. Yeah, yeah. And now I got you talking psychedelic gospel. And I'm just dressing up songs with that type sure. of like every other song maybe that I play lap steel on, but that's the sound that I hear in my head when I play the lap steel. It's not the quick country runs and the pedal steel kind of stuff. It's real spacey and throw some delay and some trillo on it and really create a space, you for, know, for, for things to shine through. For sure. Now, were you in bands in high school or? Yeah. My, my first gig was valentine's day 1992 so 28 years ago so the grunge band first paid gig yeah yeah it was uh you're right in the meat of uh nirvana and pearl jam and Soundgarden yeah, absolutely, and, and absolutely. Alice in chains and all yeah, that stuff. but but we were in in the south in this exurbs then now it's you know suburban, su- suburban atlanta sure i lived on a rural route right and now it's you know it's a concrete route okay you know what i'm saying yeah like that area is really for sure in the last 20 years or whatever but um, yeah, we had my best friend and I were still best friends to this day. And he spent some time in Have Gun Will Travel and was part of the band that moved here when I moved from Atlanta to Tampa area. Um, was the guitar a, the first thing you picked up or? Yeah, my dad had a, a an Ibanez Telecaster lawsuit era guitar laying around the house. My mom had gotten him for Christmas or anniversary or something, what birthday or something one year when I was a little kid and I started picking it up when I was five or six years old, he taught me how to play Monday, Monday. And uh, I was going to ask what type of house music of the was rising that? sun. They were, they were classic rock. dad, dad music, you know, for people yeah, our CCR, age, CCR, you know, like all the stuff I Neil Young. frankly still listen to. Yeah. No, he wasn't no. so much into Neil, Okay, you know, he wasn't, he was a, um, not, not so much of the hippie type. He just sure. liked the music. Sure. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's a little more Southern, a little more conservative in that, in that regard. Gotcha. Still Siblings? like the rock and roll. I've got a, a younger sister. Is she musical little, at all? No, she, she was a dancer. Okay. Um, she was actually in the, you know, jazz, tap, ballet, all that stuff. She was a, a Georgia Tech on the dance team. At sure. Georgia Tech and was actually in the opening and closing ceremonies in the 96 Olympics. Oh, wow. You know, was that the, the, the big picture that was in the, is that the, the Richard Jewell one? It, yes. Have you seen that movie? I have not yet. No. Sam Rockwell in that movie. I've yeah. Just 
I mean, that. the guy who plays Richard Jewell is great, too. Right, right. But Sam Rockwell in that movie, he plays an attorney in that movie. And I love his character so much in that movie. Yeah. And it's almost become, in the past year for me, like a, a touchstone for me. Like, he's the guy who's calling, you know, the insurance companies or the whomever motherfuckers on the phone. He's like, <laughs> right, right. He's like you know where my office is. You can meet me out in the park. You know, just yeah, yeah. that type of guy. And so, it's like, that's the type of attorney yeah. I want to be. Sorry to go off on no, a No, no, that's cool. It's, it's, that's Were you there when that happened? I was not. I was actually out of town the entire time. Okay. I was out west with my girlfriend at the time and her family in uh, Arizona. And we kind of got out of town, but I, I, I went to Georgia state and I lived in Cherokee County. It's a 50 miles. So you're right there. One way commute every single day for five years of college. So we had this countdown. As soon as they won, they had this big billboard countdown that started like 1300 days. Or yeah. I watched every single one, one of those, those click off, <laughs> sat in traffic for hours in the dark every morning, like watching those numbers click off. So how long did you stay in Atlanta till you? I moved from Atlanta to here with. Our band at the time when I was 24, so summer of 99. Why Tampa? Um, we, ha- we had actually played the Brass Mug on tour and okay. had a great time. Um, we had a couple of the people in the band at the time had some family members in the area. So we were able to kind of come down and check it out. We loved the vibe. I'd actually sp- spent time with my parents in the late 70s in, in St. Pete and Crystal River and Inglis and all that stuff. My parents were in the construction business. Okay. And late 70s, the oil embargo and all that stuff, recession hit Atlanta. So they came down here and built 275. And Plus, we're always good for a couple hurricanes that yeah, knock yeah, everything yeah, down yeah. that you so got to rebuild. I, I knew the area. I liked, you know, the vibe and all that kind of stuff. And we just moved down here to an apartment sight unseen that we had found in one of those apartment books. We actually called to rent an apartment. For sure, yeah. go online or anything right. like that. And, uh, just took a step what was your day went. job? Were we uh, we, we, we had a job set up um, to move down here with. Um, we we're in telemarketing. Yeah. You know, uh, selling those uh, three-day ventures to the uh, timeshare deals. In That's Orlando a good job for a musician because you yeah, can Yeah, it kinda, doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah. You know, timeshares have kind of lost It's all automated, favor, plus no one's selling right. that stuff anymore. Yeah. But or outsourced. It, it got yeah. us here and, you know, got, got me underway and helped buy the house that we still live in and all that kind of stuff. Now, the band that you moved here from Atlanta to Tampa with, was that Half Gumball Travel? No, no, no. That was a band called Burden Fly, and it was me and Dean Johannesson. I've heard the name. familiar with him? He lives in Sarasota now. He's a singer. Apparently, Sarasota's a thing. I had Owen. uh, Yeah, yeah. He lives 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 down there. Yeah, Yeah. so I'm becoming acquainted with the world of Sarasota and and Manatee music scene. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a bunch of colleges down there and uh, lots of money from elsewhere. Sure. So that... It draws people. Oh, you know, for sure. Work, yeah. There was work to be done. Yeah. You know? There's not a whole lot of venues down there, though. A lot of restaurant type yeah. gigs and beach type gigs. Well, not- we go to Anna Maria every summer and there's, yeah, there's, yeah. there's starting to be a little littering of, of them out that way, right, but right. it's kind of so remote that. But it's usually the corner of the restaurant, yeah. not a stage not with life. For 100%. Performance venue type yeah. thing. But, so Dean and I and, and our band Burdenfly moved down here. Um, in the summer of 99 and that lasted a couple of years. And then that, that what made, type of music was that? It was very Similar? much in the kind of uncle Tupelo versus Pearl jam type of thing. Like the guitar player and I were definitely Southern and yeah. like in that kind of had to have those Skinnerty type leads in our thing, right? which Pearl jam also did. Oh but yeah. The, but the, the drummer and, and Dean were both from New York, New York area. And it was a little heavier, like a little hard, a little bit more hardcore, and, yeah. You know, and like Post white hardcore, zombie, yeah. and like we were into, we were all everybody in that era was into a lot of different kind of stuff, and you know, we'd all kind of grown up in skateboarding, and that 
that entree into punk rock when we were little kids, you know what I mean? And seeing it on MTV and all that stuff. So it was kind of like a raucous replacement seed, Uncle Tupelo-y thing, but with a little more of the kind of Pearl Jammy, grungy bent. And so how long did that last for once you got down there? Well, we were a band up there four or five years and, you know, did some touring and a lot of Atlanta stuff. And then we were down here three years, I think. Okay. 99, 2000, 2001. And then like the fall, winter of 2001, I think was kind of when that, that kind of ended up. Ended. Tried up. And and then the rest of the guys kind of moved away and Dean and I started a band called The Human Condition. Okay. And we did that for a number of years. And I kind of faded in and out of that because I had started playing with Will Quinlan. Okay. And I'd started playing with Matt Burke. Okay. We did the first Have Gun Will Travel EP was just a solo side project from The Chase Theory. Okay. And we had met the Chase Theory because a buddy of ours in Atlanta had moved to Bradenton and became best friends with the Burke brothers. Okay. Before we ever moved down here. So they're like, you got to meet our buddy. We got to meet our buddy. He ended up, our mutual friend ended up passing away. We ended up playing shows with the Chase Theory. So I knew Matt and Danny and JP and all those guys. For those who aren't uh, in the know. This goes way. Sure. No, for sure. Let's talk about human condition and Chase Theory. What was, where was human condition and the evolution of your sound or your direction? that's a good question. I really don't know. It's got a very new wave. I hear like a new order. Well, no, no, it was, it was very much, um, a darker singer songwritery type thing. Um, moving away from the, the big anthemic type stuff, moving away from a lot of the punk, punkier influences and a little more jazzy or a little more, a little more funk a little bit. And maybe even a little more progressive, like right. we had a couple of players who were like a progressive type drummer yeah. or like, you know, um, really good bass players and, you know, people that would come in and kind of influence the sound. And after I left that band, they moved a little bit further in the jam scene and played like the Orange Blossom Jamboree. Right. We're doing Dunedin Brewery and, you know, kind of moved towards that scene as I was headstrong into the Americana sure. punk thing. And, and what about Chase Theory? Well, Chase Theory was like. One of the earlier emo bands, yeah. real or second wave emo bands. They were on one of the emo diaries uh compilations and and did put out I think what's it, Jade Tree, I think they put a, a record out on. You know, like they they made some headroads yeah. and, and toured the country and and did the whole thing in that emo post hardcore world. Um and then they were as that was kind of wasn't really waning, but they weren't touring as much and you know, just everybody's just kind of doing their thing in mid twenties. Matt started this little half gun thing on the side and with his four track recorded a. I'm trying to, I, 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 an EP. I, I go back in my mind and it's fuzzy now, like the, the chicken and the egg type of, was it, was it w- Wilco? Was it, was it, um, Uncle Tupelo was the original band. No, 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 oh, I, no, I, no, okay. no, I'm, I'm trying to think how, what was my first entry point okay, to Americana, alt country, whatever you want to call it. And there's, some conflagration of Ryan Adams, um, right? Uh, Wilco, and then uh, so if it was Wilco, it was post Uncle Tupelo. Well, no, yeah, 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 Tupelo when they were. Thing, What's yeah. Justin Towns Earl's dad's first name? Steve Earl. Steve Earl. Yeah. Like I remember, he had that one album, Jerusalem, or something that uh-huh. was really big. I'm just in the timeline of what started because I had a, a where that sound starts to land in your timeline in my yeah. timeline because yeah. I I went to college up at UCF and there was a, okay. a bar up there. I think it was called Eight Seconds. It was a rodeo oh, yeah, type yeah. bar, mm-hmm. and that was the payday of what I like to call Walmart country, you know, just <laughs> Kenny Chesney, like just, yeah. And it's a very kind of conservative, mm-hmm. not my bag at all. Yeah. And it, and it really kind of 
unfairly tainted my ability to Just even any country to at have. all. Yeah, yeah. And I was that way for a long time. And for sure. luckily, that's that's receded over time. Uh, you know, I found tan- I think I found Towns Van Zant through uh, Big Lebowski soundtrack or something like right, that. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then I went into that catalog, and then you you know you can do Waylon Jennings or you can do there's just all sorts yeah, of different yeah. directions you go, but you start to realize, you know, only a very small ratio of country is that kind of you know, Jimmy Buffett country as it were. And, you know, no, I'm not, not harshing on Jimmy Buffett, but you know, uh, but then this whole other world opens up for you. And then, then there was a drive by truckers and Justin Towns Earl and Jason Isbell. And growing up in Atlanta and being close to Athens, like, Drive by Truckers were another local band. Yeah. Like now, who's never, his dad's? Who's Patterson's dad is David Hood. Yeah. He was a bass player in the Swampers. Right. Yeah. Right. So there's a there's a lot of lineage that. But he of, was he was like fuck you, dad. I'm going to Athens and playing punk rock. Like they weren't they weren't he wasn't making records in Muscle Shoals and like right riding those coattails or you know punk kids didn't know what Muscle Shoals was at that time in that that history. Well, he was you know. So luckily, it's kind of trip created a whole other world from that now. And and I, I think it's pulled oh, away sure. enough from it now that it's its own separate thing. And I don't even know, like, not that you have to label it as anything, but, you know, I, I know that it kind of early on got the alt country tag and that kind of become hackneyed and a little bit, right, not right. insulting, but, it, uh, you know, divisive a little bit. Yeah. And now it's kind of splintered off into all these different directions. And it's, but, a, it's a blanket Americana thing. Yeah. Which, you know, if you're, Americana Music Association. It's more country and more Nashville and more Austin. And have I, you played I, in Nashville? Gone to Nashville? We, yeah, we've we've played in we played in Nashville off and on the whole time. Here. It's and that's become years. a well. I mean, it's always been a thing, but now it seems like it's having a resurgence. Or, yeah, yeah, and it's, it's costing more to live there. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's become yeah. It's, it's like cool. Austin in that same way. Like the the ability to move there and make music isn't really happening. You have to keep getting further and further away from it. Right. So you've been in Have Gun since the very beginning. Yes. Um, it was just him. And I was, I've also been in the club business okay. on and off throughout okay. this whole time and booking shows and promoting shows and running nightclubs and, and that, that sort of world because I was also a raver kid yeah. in the 90s in Atlanta. And You're a Renaissance man, skateboarder, I, I, raver. I, I, well, I, I was the guy that would wear a Willie Nelson shirt to a rave, yeah. you know, and, and have a blast. I love that. A thousand people. Or Steely Dan to a podcast. Or this is a <laughs> Sonic Youth take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. had to get this shirt when I saw that. Facebook that's a uh, Raymond Pettibone uh, yeah, yeah. art, which I got that book down there too. Yeah, yeah. But um, so – I forgot what, what are. So you're talking why. about the first album. Uh, I was asking oh, yeah, about. Yeah. yeah. Matt, Matt did kind of the side project thing and he sent it to WMNF and they started playing, um, the, the song Silver in the Age of Opulence. And he had a MySpace page and we were friends and I, he had that as one of the songs that he was playing on there. And I, I just became obsessed with this song and I knew him and we were friends, but we weren't like buddies. Yeah. We just played shows together or whatever. And I actually booked him for his first ever solo show. I was working at the bank in St. Pete. Okay. Do you remember that? I do. That club? Yeah. Um, I worked there. I was kind of the production director and I booked the shows and did the flyers and the ads and all that. And then did the sound and all that right. kind of stuff. Um, Michael Gobicki from Rusted Root. Okay. was doing a t- solo tour date off of a jam cruise or something like that. Needed an opener. And it was, I was actually working with Joran doing the, 
You remember, you know, Joran Appel, he had the Southeastern Music Alliance. He would do the, the, he, he had a Wednesday songwriter series okay. for a long time with Rebecca Pulley and Will Quinlan okay. and Steve Connolly and all this yeah. St. Pete based guy. Um, he was kind of the co-promoter on the deal, but I, we booked Matt and that was the first time he'd ever played on stage by himself. I didn't know that at the time. I, I found you this pull out. it off. Oh yeah. 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 He, you know, had a couple cocktails and yeah. he'd get a little yeah. bit loose to get over the anxiety hill that we all kind of experience these days. Take the but, tires. and <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But he pulled it off. We started talking. I was like, man, I'd really like to play with you. I, I just started playing with Will Quinlan, just got a lap steel. I was like, I got an, I've got an idea for that song. I hear something in my head for that song, Silver and Age of Opulence. And he ended up doing a, he did like an EP release of that at um, Fogartyville okay. in Bradenton, Sarasota area. And I played like four or five songs with him and his brother, Danny played electric guitar on a couple songs. And that was kind of the first time there was, a, that was the first have gun will travel. Sure. Show. Was there a discussion at any point? Like, what are we, what are we trying to not really aim for here? Or let's just well, play and see what it sounds what like. What happened was like the response to that one song in that EP was phenomenal. Is this so, like 2011? What year was no, this? This was Oh, six. Okay. Maybe oh five oh six, but you're kind of hitting right at the right time. I mean, that's that's WMNF picked it up and started playing it. it I booked him a show, and then he, other people started booking him to open, and then it just kind of came a thing where, hey JP, you want to play drums? We're not doing the Chase Theory right now. You want to play drums? Right. He just poured it right on over and got rods instead of sticks and brushes, and, yeah. You know, and started. We just went in that direction. We had a, we had a viola player at the time. Um, our buddy, Josh Hernandez, who's now a chef at Ava. Oh yeah. He opened Ava and then opened the the one at spark at the Sparkman war, not Sparkman, but the other armature work armature. Yeah. Now he's in Charlotte opening another one in Charlotte. Charles could be get, getting kind of a little scene there. Yeah. I was, but he was our, he was our viola player. And so we had that kind of, right. That, that really folky. Have you played in, in North Carolina? Like the, Astro, oh, yeah. like, yeah, we've, we've played what a great talent. There's just a lot we've, of great. I've, I was thinking about that on the way here today to kind of like, I've driven to shows in nearly every major city in the country. Yeah. Like we've done a lot of touring over the last 14 years as a band. Um, and I, I do all the driving cause I'm kind of, yeah. kind of guy, gotta be guy. The, it keeps me from drinking too much. Yeah. You know? Um, but, uh, yeah. So at, early on we had, it was way more into that kind of folky kind of the kind of delivery. And as now we've kind of graduated into a, a rock band, Yeah, you know what I mean? And we still have those types of shows and we still play a lot of those songs and we, but, you know, we got keyboards and straight drums and electric guitars and that's where i started to think i heard the like the the petty type a, a little bit yeah, um absolutely. who's a keyboard player for petty uh ben montage ben montage yeah. yeah you know i always love that mm. sound i love it you know the ryan adams album before he took a shit and died had a lot of that in there it was pretty cool yeah that, that's such a hard one for me because Dude, it's so disappointing it's like bill cosby yeah Come bill, on. woody like, allen bill cosby you know and all these, these people, heroes of ours who we looked up to in all these different ways just turn out to be shitty people. <laughs> I have, I've talked about this so well, yeah, I've talked about this so much and I just wonder had Facebook and cell phones been around in, you know, Bowie and Jagger oh, and sure. they would yeah. have been yeah. just lambasted right away. Yeah, I mean, they, they weren't, they weren't, you know, 
grossly projecting onto 18 and 19 year old women no. or grossly projecting onto 12 and 13 and 14 year old oh women. yeah i mean That's robert plant or not yeah, yeah. jimmy pay i mean you hear all, all these stories yeah all just yeah, yeah. craziness yeah it's a different world we live in and that's that's they got in under the wire right that's, <laughs> yeah. and that's part of the responsibility of still doing this thing today we're all we're all married and have kids like yeah. not, we've never we've toured all that time we've never gone down that road like, right it hasn't that's not our thing our thing is to play music have some yeah, well, to be around as long as you guys have been around, you kind of have had to have figured out a way to kind of avoid yeah. that stuff. Not that, I mean, obviously the Stones are still playing and they've done everything. <laughs> we don't of. quite have as many kids as they do. Yeah. We, but, uh, we've but had I mean, a lot of kids in our band. Um, how has the sound uh, you, you've mentioned a little bit has gotten a little bit more of a rock vibe to it than it did in the, in the beginning? Has the yeah, writing sure. changed at all? The subject matter? Um, yeah. Actually, this most recent record is the first one where Matt has specifically gotten into writing more from a personal experience and more from a, and as opposed to a narrative or made up story or setting the scene or talking about a town or something like that. He's talking about anxiety. He's talking about the, the world that we live in and the different things that we want to do in a positive way and what we're thankful for. And, you know, it's like, it's the first one that has gotten over that hump to where it's, you know, you're, you're starting to learn a little bit about Matt Burke and he's such an amazing songwriter. If you go back to the records prior to that, very clever, very gifted and turn of phrase and creating melodies and, and harmonies and all that kind of stuff. But most recently, it's definitely as we've gotten to that more visceral type of sound, I think it's opened him up to being more open to experiencing that on the stage and in his writing. It's it, being a songwriter. I don't want to say it's the most difficult aspect of a band, but there's so many, there's so many traps, um, <laughs> to avoid, you know, either sounding hack or aping off of somebody else or being too on the nose or too abstract or, right, right. you know, all that stuff. And it's just a very, like, I don't know. I, I'm interested in your opinion. Do you think it's something that you can become better at or do you think it's something that you kind of have or you don't have i think it's something you have or you don't have yeah i don't have it yeah i think i think what i do is something you can learn and become better at it as you get older i think as a songwriter as somebody who's able to succinctly put down something with no fear yeah and and put that into something you're going to perform for other people sometimes strangers sometimes friends whatever the case may be like that's something I think you're born with. I really do. I mean, maybe if you're 15, 16, 18, you're a young man, you're still trying to figure out what's going on in the world. You might be able to get on that path. But, you know, if you're 25 and trying to figure out, you're not You're not, you're gonna not going to become Springsteen. You're not yeah, going to write that yeah. solo record that takes things out of the box that you're already in, you know? Yeah. I, I you know, I, I so I'm talking about myself there. I'm not going to write that solo record. No, it's well, going to blow mean, you guys away. In a lot of ways, that's what this podcast has become for me because it's, this is like the closest I'll get to being in a cool band is having a bunch of other people well, from yeah, cool bands and, on. And, 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 you know, really, we were talking about this at rehearsal last night. Like we, we hung out for like three hours. But we only played like six songs and we recorded drum tracks to a song. But it, it was more about the hang and about the, the communication and the relationship. It's like very personal networking. You know what I mean? Like part of this business is it's kind of like sex a little bit. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, there's a, there's, there's a, a lot of foreplay. Yeah. You know, yeah. And when it, you win it, everybody's moving in the right way and everything's right. hitting the right spots. A good song's what, three minutes long? Yeah. There's a lot of other time in the world. Like, yeah. You've got to yeah. be able to do that so that when you get that time to either perform that song, write that song, record that song, whatever it is, like if you're in a good place, especially with good people and you're all in the same place and vibing, like that's, 
way more powerful thing than well, not know, only that, but this, on your own, you know, in this environment, just, you know, it's like we're gasping for air, gasping for something that's pure, gasping for something that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like we're in a, ro- a smoke filled room and it's just like, give me, give me some kind of leave, you know, just even for a few minutes. So that's, you know, to me now, as much as I've loved music now, it's even more important to me. And, and mm-hmm. I'm really interested to see what comes of this. I really hope. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, from a couple different angles, you mentioned that you worked in the, you know, the the, the venue part of this as well. Uh, you know, I've been talking a lot with Tom at uh, Crowbar oh, yeah, yeah. and hearing about all that stuff and trying to help out any way I can with that. But I'm hoping that it rebounds even stronger than it was, if that's possible. And I'm hoping some great music and just a bounty of touring happens at some point. I, I am too. And, you know, it depends on a lot of different things. And you know, as you mentioned, Tom has has taken the lead and is fighting for those things that the industry actually needs, which is our resources. Right. You know, like even then those resources that are on the table, aren't going to the bands who struggled through this and have had to try to figure this out goes what to do I do with people. my life. Yeah. It's hopefully going to go to the venues and save those venues that like crowbar and others that make up the touring network. Right. And we've been to a lot of those. We played a lot of those venues and, you know, half of them that we've played over the time has have probably closed through this. Well, um, so, uh, one of the shows I was listening to re- recently, they were kind of talking about where do you think this goes? Do you, is it, is it people playing at a lot of VAs and festivals again, <laughs> or is it going to be generator parties out in the middle well, of, I, I think there's a couple different ways to go. Well, like there's the punk rock, you know, Pirate rave out in the woods type of thing that's going to happen is happening. You know, there's warehouse raves happening all over the place these days. Um, That's one thing. Another thing is like, like the hideaway and like the crowbar and the places that are known for presenting live music. They're, they're now going to be presenting a premium product because they're managing it correctly. Right. They have the resources, they have the staff, they have, they're a kitchen now. They can operate the way they're, you know what I mean? Sure. When, the people that are going to be able to check all the boxes, that's that, that kind of moves up market a little bit. Like I would want to pay extra for that environment to be able to go to a show and know I'm going to be able to do what I want to do and experience that thing. I, I think there's certainly opportunity there. I wonder if there'll be a renewed appreciation for it. I, I certainly. I mean, do. I tell you, this will be the first. That's year. the message I get from everybody I know. Is like, I, I want so badly to go to a live show. Yeah. Like, I don't even care who. Like, I just want to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that does something for you. And again, it's that. It's that. It's that filling your lungs up with something good and pure. That's not. Yeah. All the shit that we're I digesting mean, on a daily the basis. The last 15 years, I've. Actually, the last 25 years, I've probably played 100 shows a year and gone to 100 shows. Yeah. Like, that's a huge part of my life. And nearly everybody I know is a result of those things. So this, I'm How much of a mind bender has it been for you? It's been pretty crazy. Unfortunately, I built a studio in my backyard and completed it in January. Oh, wow. So it's have to send me some I've, picks. I've been dialing it in and getting getting it sounding good. I've done a couple records there. Um, people you'd you'd know, yeah, including uh, poetry and lotion. Yeah, we haven't finished it yet, but we're we got some good stuff. A couple weekends. Those guys ago. are so great. I mean, I, yeah. I'm, I'm loving this whole world that I'm getting introduced yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Have have you been inspired by what's going on to to write or create, or has it kind of? Um, yes. Uh, that that's the, kind of a funny thing. I'm not 
short of inspiration. I never really have been like, I'm always just like ready to do something. Yeah. You know, that, that sort of 12 year old punk rock spirit is there. still there. That's good. That's why I'm still going to the skate park and I ride my bike like nine or 10 miles a day. Or it's just like, I've got to get out there and put my energy into something so that when I get the opportunity to have the guys over and do a session or go play a very well managed show, I'm going to be ready. Yeah. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to take take myself out of the game by, hating myself because i'm in this situation you know it's it's completely out of my hands well it seems like you're weathering it well um, yeah that's exactly what i'm my, not that's so exactly what my therapist said yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well that's awesome yeah yeah um great have you guys and you don't have to say yes or no but i mean have you started looking at re-entering the world of playing live yeah or? yeah we actually we have three confirmed shows on okay. the books all tightly managed socially distanced mask requirements and less seated um and How do you think that's going to impact the the experience of of a live show with you guys? I think we have a loving audience who are going to appreciate us setting that example. Sure. And and them teaching us and us teaching them how to handle this. Right. You know, it's just like like how do you raise good kids? You spend a lot of time with them. And you do your be best present with them and love just love them as much. That's as the, that's the type of situations we want to create. And the first one back, and we told Tom this when he shut down. I was like, "We're not playing until you're back open." Yeah, we've had offers the entire time. You want to do this? Want to do that? And I'm leaving a lot of money on the table. We've lo- we're you know we're way in the red compared to the last ten Colors, twelve yeah. years at this point in the year. But you know we 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 are committed to him and knowing that we can trust him to do things the right way. And for him to set the example, right. Knowing everybody on his staff and loving all of them and having, you know, obviously the history that we have there, that was, you know, a big part of it, but that's the first show back. It's going to be uh, October 16th. I think yeah, he's, the I saw he put that, that list out. So I'm, I'm terrible with dates, but I have it in my phone. <laughs> That's fine. Oh, I'll, 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 I'll look it up and I'll, I'll yeah, put it in. It's I'll the put first it in show, the first proper show back. I think he's doing Old Dirty Sunday, which I got to do. I love that. So how long has it been? How long will it have been between your last show? Our and last one? show was in February, Valentine's Day weekend, um, at the Safety Harbor Art Music Center. Right down the street from my house. Uh, that's the longest I've been in 25 years without. I was going to ask. So what do you think that that's going to be like? Do you think it's. I'm, I don't do you get know. nervous we were, anymore. You play I'm nervous every time I do something yeah. important. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whether it's rehearsal, recording session, going to pick up my kids after a big day or, you know, seeing my wife after being out of town, whatever it is, I, I get a little anxious because I'm excited about it. So yeah. I care about, I always get nervous before shows. And I think that's a good thing. It keeps me in the game. Are you doing any other stuff on the side besides producing? Like, have you thought of any other projects that you, you know, is there a, a um, different type of I, medium I, that's I, speaking to you or? I, that's a good question. Um, I, I also Kyle's I, poured all of his heart into home renovations <laughs> and selling motorcycles. I, now. I've been I've been <laughs> doing a lot of that. I've been you know dialing in my studio under yeah. lockdown, like building the panels and moving things around, taking measurements, and I upgraded my speakers. And you know that's that's kind of where my head is. Right, like, that's something I can I plan to ride out for a long time. Yeah. Um, I, I've always just loved being in the studio. I don't necessarily love recording myself you know, or performing in the studio. Like that's another pile of anxiety right. altogether. Cause you're getting ready to marry that for the rest of yeah. recorded history. As soon as you okay that track. I, so I, I get, think about that I often that what a that. shame it is for the artist to hate 
the music that we all love. And right. not that they hate it, but like, <laughs> right. oh, yes, you know, they hate it. your they songs hate that your it. songs that people love, you're probably like, oh, oh I'm still mixing it. every record we have. Yeah, yeah. I never put I it down. I know exactly what was wrong and where I missed. And, you know, it's very uh, self-conscious. Type well, that was a question. I think I was asking Owen about it. And I've t- had Dimitri Stoyanovich, some other people on that are, you know, always telling me about the mixing of a, a record. And are you able to enjoy recorded music like yes. you could before you... Yes, knew, and knew I, what you were hearing. I kind of have to. I have to choose listening techniques to get to that. I try. I try to listen to something that I want to enjoy for the music by itself, through like the worst possible sound quality, like yeah. just my phone on a table in a cup, or just the TV in the other room while I'm doing something else. It's like I have to split my brain as a passive listener, then I can just enjoy it as music. Yeah. If it's something I dig into and I like the writing or I want to dig into the engineering or I want to really get into the space, then I'll take it out to the studio, put it up on the speakers, put on the nice headphones and dig into that. And it's like totally opposite sides of my brain. Yeah, there's uh, that not exactly on that point, but kind of reminded me of it. It's two different things was uh, Martin Hannett, who produced Joy Division. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw 24 Hour Party People. And he's like he put the drummer on the roof and he put the other thing mm-hmm. and it's like you're gonna sound like you're drumming on a cardboard box yeah, yeah he's like i've done the like mic'd up everything before this is gonna sound like you're hitting drywall with the right, spatula right. yeah because there's no reflection right you're outside it's not gonna come back but what a beautiful uh part of that band that that was and oh, yeah. then yeah, yeah. another one was uh i i started getting into the norwegian black death metal stuff okay. yeah, yeah. and i mean that those people went out of their way to make it sound as shitty as possible right right we're yeah, going to yeah. record everything into one tape recorder <laughs> right. not be tuned just yeah, yeah. and but yeah. you're there's a do you know who lars von trier is I'm familiar, not so he's a director. Into. He's 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 Scandinavian of some regard, if not German or something. He's very much an agitator and an instigator. Like he's right, always right. known for saying things that get him in trouble and all this sure. stuff. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he had this whole series of films where uh, there's it's a it's a film movement, and the whole thing about it was uh, adding obstacles into creation or or conversely put removing everything that wasn't absolutely necessary right yeah, yeah yeah and so when you're talking about that it's like you know let's take all the production out of it let's take all the bells yeah, yeah. and whistles yeah, yeah. and like what can you do just on your own D- divorce yourself from the experience experiences you've had before and just like experiences brand new actually right. what what got me thinking about that yesterday um do you know matt walker is a guitar Facebook player and, and Someday Honey. Yes. It's one of the most amazing musicians I've ever seen. Um, but he posted something yesterday, like, how do I, how do I get that fresh feeling of listening to music again? I'm, you know, trying to develop techniques and it made me think about it. I'm like, oh yeah, I just throw my phone on the table and then I'm busy doing something else and I'm actually enjoying it passively yeah. in a more visceral type of way just using my ears my brain and this isn't attached to it my heart and my experiences aren't attached to it it's just music it's true i mean i, you, I, I love it like that well it's like it's like on a mixing board like you can turn one knob and the song sounds differently yeah, yeah. so one, one yeah. thing that i do which is kind of off topic a little bit but sometimes if i'm having a bad week or a bad day i'll just drive home away i've never driven home before oh yeah, yeah. and just totally. like yeah if if all of these things every day add up to this maybe if i just switch out yeah yeah you know this you're, for that you're just looking for a find yourself in a different place yeah, so yeah. um have you thought about for you any kind of a singer songwriter solo type of deal or no 
Not no, really. Like that's I, not your... you're you're like one of hundreds of people who've asked me that over the years, and I I really don't have that desire. Well, I really, if, if I were to do something like that, it'd be way more in the like dance music production okay. type of thing. And I've done quite a bit of that in a whole other world that I occupy. <laughs> well, it's um, funny because that's not really something that I seek out, but I find little entry points into it, like uh, M83 or. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, I had on the show early, earlier this week, Vetno. I don't know if yeah, you're. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and she had her new single came out today and right. dark wave, synth pop, sure, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I really dug it. I mean, I was yeah, like, yeah. sounds like a. I kept saying Tangerine Dream. I don't know why that was that I got <laughs> stuck, stuck on. Head, yeah. yeah, but uh, so I, I, it's expanding my tastes. And so very yeah. cool. Um, so uh, are you living off of music right now? No, or absolutely okay, not. I'm, I'm living off of the grace of my wife who has a pretty decent job. And we have three kids, so it's super tight. And we're always like scraping together money and, you know, just trying to figure it out. I'm, I'm hoping this business gets back to, to where we can start sure. making money again. And I also, I bartend at Crooked Thumb Brewery okay. early in the week. You know, every yeah. week. I've, I've been on leave from there for about a month. My mom's having some health issues. I spent some time oh, in, in Atlanta. Um, but that's that's on track. And I'm actually going back to work for the first time next Tuesday in, in about a month. So. What do the kids think of dad? Do they think dad's cool or are I, they well, tired I mean, of hearing that dad? That was the other thing. I was a stay-at-home dad for all three of them. Oh, wow. I've changed like 17,000 diapers. By the way. I've, I've caught every type of output from children oh my I've, lord i've you know and i'm very much invested in that's my songwriting yeah you know what i mean for like sure that's where my 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 freedom and my creativity goes is into creating a space for them right and uh yeah i mean that's that's a big part of who i am and why i do those things kids and then i yeah i lost my parents both my parents in the past two years mm-hmm. and between my parents and my kids uh, you know I, i'm not even the same person remotely that i was sure eight years ago right, right. and so yeah, it's like your greatest loves and your biggest fears of are all well yeah yeah thing. well the two things one one is with the kids is um you're no longer front and center you know? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and I think that's a good thing because especially for Americans, because we're a little bit too much the focus of our own Uh story. So that's number one. Uh, but number two with, with the parents is something about you're now the elder or you're right. There's no one above you in the hierarchy. Like you're the next one to go. That's the big responsibility you got to take. Yeah. So that those are things that kind of really change the perspective on life, art, everything and so i'm always interested especially where artists careers have kind of begun before and ended after like right, seeing right. how that informed their music yeah yeah well i mean for us we, we all have kids um just between danny and myself we have seven. Oh wow <laughs> what makes <laughs> band practice easier just put a slip yeah, and slide yeah. out front and get- yeah 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 um I, but you know we've we've always kind of we're all that way. Like we got wives and kids first. Right. And as soon as everything's taken care of there, then we can go create without the burden of, you know, disappointment or not providing or whatever it is. It's like, and then if something's going on with a band and it's all tense and tight, you don't want to take that home right. to, and, and disturb that space. So it's like, that's the balancing act, but we've, we've been fortunate. Our, our wives and children are very much a part of this, very much supportive. Like, most of our kids have either sang or played on the records, right? You know, as in background that's, that's and awesome. all that kind of stuff. You know, it's been a little while, but um, more as when they were younger kids, we'd have them singing on a. Any of them playing any instruments? Yeah, my oldest daughter's a piano player. She's oh, wow. uh, classically trained since she was four, so she's been 
training like 12 years now. Do you, she runs circles around me. Do you like bring her stuff and like, what do you think of this? A little bit yeah. here and there. Yeah. Uh, she's, she's in the musical theater world. Okay. She goes to Gibbs okay. uh, in the musical theater direction and you know they're shut down right now too so those all those kids are losing their minds they have no way to no outlet to perform i still don't even think we've even begun to conceptualize what impact this will all have had on everything it's crazy um, and and actually all three of mine take piano um matt's daughter um plays a little guitar plays a little piano but sings she's matt does every wednesday on facebook live right solo from home working through our catalog we've got six or seven records out so there's a lot to work right Um, and then she's, she'll bring a song and he'll play and let her sing. And they've been killing it. They're, I mean, they, they did, they did Hallelujah last night and just like ripped people up or Wednesday night. I, I fell asleep early because I got up too early that day. Well, because <laughs> we're in our, we're closer to 50 than 40. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, and I'm on this thing right now where I get up at like five in the morning and I go on a 10, 12 mile bike ride before the sunrise. I need to do something. It's getting, I just, so the reason I was late, I'm sorry again, is I went, and had my eyes checked, and she just told me that there was a white halo, not in the retina, but in the, I don't know, but she's like, that's, yeah, but she's like, that's uh, indicative of high cholesterol. Mm. And I've never had issues with cholesterol. So now I'm like, you know, <laughs> well, I know, I know, I've not done well through COVID. There's been a lot of wine consumed. There's been a lot sure. of, you know, I had a few weeks like that where I was like, well, shit, I can drink six beers. I don't have anywhere to go five, today, tomorrow, yeah, or the yeah, next they day. They can't smell my breath over Zoom. But yeah, it does not matter. And I, that was kind of what kicked me into like, all right, I got to go to the skate park. I got to go take a bike ride. I got to yeah. get out and sweat off these eight beers I drank. You look, you look, you look well, lean I've, and mean. I've, I've, I've had, I've got a lot of miles in since that time. It was like mid April. when yeah. I was like, I've got to turn. This Doesn't it seem like 10 years ago? It does. It it's really just does. insane. I've, I've, I've certainly aged. I've picked up a few new grays. <laughs> oh yeah. Me too. Well, I'm sitting every day. I'm in court on zoom and I'm looking at the wrinkles of my forehead and the crow's feet. And all this. Right. I was like, the Jesus, when did that happen? Yeah, yeah. And I've always, you know, I've always like people have said, you should put color in your beard. And I was like, it's like Clint Eastwood didn't put color in his yeah, beard. I'm not putting I'm, color in my beard, but now the more I'm doing, I was like, I can use some color. <laughs> right. I'm Can't not going to do it. That well, you can charge white. more. You can charge more for gray. I look, yeah. I look much more learned and intellectual yeah, absolutely. now than, absolutely. than I used to. Well, thank you so much for coming by. Um, welcome, I appreciate man. it. Uh, you guys are such a, a big staple uh, of the, the local scene and, um, it's, it's great music. I highly recommend it for yeah. those of you who maybe haven't heard of them. The few of you that there are, <laughs> it's something you can put on on a Sunday and just have on all day. And it's, yeah. it's a, it's, it's a soundtrack for good times, which we need right now. Um, right on. really appreciate you. I wish you the best of luck. Wish your kids the best of luck. And thank yeah, you thank so much you. for making the drive over the bridge. I appreciate it that we didn't even get into my, all these years with Will Quinlan. I've been his guitar player. This well, 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 let's do that. Well, no, I was just, I just want to give him a shout out real quick. Well, he he played last night. So I, and I didn't get to go. So where do you play? He played at new world, uh, Mark the- Etherington, mountain holler, is having have you been away. at the new one yet? Yeah, we've actually we've done, with Will we've done a couple of live broadcasts from there. How does it um, compare to the to the? It's it's beautiful. Have you been there? I haven't. No, it? that's it's, what I'm asking. What how they were able to take the every element from the old one and build a new one out of that and new stuff is un- incredible. It's and are they, you think they're gonna they're gonna survive through this? I, I I feel really bad that this hit them. What a it took what a so long time. to yeah. get them yeah. open. I mean, they opened like two three weeks prior to you know 
this the shutdown and you know have, have been back open but these they're just starting to like do stuff outside and do stuff inside but well this so this is another thing i well we're gonna have a couple this is a encore we can, we can, this is our encore uh, yeah. while well, he, he walked out of the room and now he's coming back in to do his greatest I can't shut up yeah no 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 well i wonder if maybe this will be a uh jumping off point for a renewed focus on local music because i certainly hope so and that's kind of what i've been seeing all along the touring business is not starting back for sure yeah and i've I've been hearing 2022 maybe before it's worth it for people to tours are typically run with insurance and all of those things well plus you have to sell a certain amount of tickets you can't be cutting your ticket sales in half and all that sort of stuff can't can't cut revenue down and you know blow up your risk right for sure right so i'm hoping there's certainly opportunity for that that regional strengthening of both talent and scenes and and businesses you know yeah in the in the, in the venues do you know world. joe DeCunto? oh yeah yeah i, I was brothers for sure talking to him last night and uh he's he's gonna come on soon and i was talking to him i was like i wish somehow it's funny you said nashville not not specifically nashville but this this the greatest thing about this podcast in the past year is it's just been a love story for me with local music. I just wasn't right, right. It wasn't something I sought out. I didn't feel it wasn't I wasn't negative on it, but I was just right, like right, right. I think most people just know commercial or or maybe indie is a step further. Sure, right, but then there's the the local scene, which unless you just happen upon someone, there it's not so easily accessible or not put in your face so much you kind of have to work at it a little bit oh, more yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's so rewarding in this town and there's such a a deep lineup a strong breadth of all types of stuff you know one mm-hmm. of the bands i, I grew up in st pete and i went to high okay. school with uh he's now dr pat clemowish but he was just pat clemowish at the time and he uh <laughs> do you know pat i don't know so he was the original guitarist for the hip abduction and okay, uh yeah, yeah. He looks like fucking Thor. He's like six foot five. He's yeah, a, yeah. he's a world class paddle boarder. He's a Harvard graduate. He's a doctor. Yeah. He lives out on the beach and he play. And it's, it's not a type of music again that I'd seek out, but it's kind of like world music. Yeah, Paul yeah, yeah. Simon Reggae. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, and I was, I, they all of a sudden became a band. I was like just putting them on constantly. My kids loved them and all this other yeah. stuff. And so then with Gasparilla Music Festival and they had the reggae rise up and all this other stuff, a lot of these local bands, you know, were, breaking through to right, the right. wider audience locally that, that, that scene in particular has done really well the last five six years so I, you know i was talking to Dakunto. i said what do you think would be the draw what would be the what would be the spark that could kind of set this off as a scene again after all this happened and i'm interested if, if you have an answer to that i was wondering if I was what, like, what did Joe say? What Joey did? Well, one of the things he said, <laughs> I can't, I, one of the that. things he said, I can't say on the air, but I'll talk to you about it afterwards. Oh, that's but, the kind of conversations he and I had. Well, probably. <laughs> well, I kept saying we need, someone needs to get in Jeff Finnick's ear and I'll leave it, leave it at that. But, you know, I was like, wouldn't it be great if there was a Prince Albert Hall or a, or a Grand Ole Opry or a, just a, 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 a destination, a destination venue. venue that the venue is almost as much the draw as the, well, band I mean, or, the, you you mentioned the one name that can just throw away money because a situation like that, a, a world class destination venue, does not exist on a local scene. Yeah, you know, I've never played the Tampa Theater. I've played on stage at the Tampa sure. Theater when Creative Loafing used to do their Best of the Bay Wars yeah. there years and years ago. But I mean, they don't do local shows. That's look at that venue. We played the Palladium, and one of our upcoming shows is going to be at the Palladium in St. Pete. Gorgeous, but, but I'll tell you what. Here's my the one. The, thing is i saw iron and wine there i saw mm-hmm. jeff tweedy there who else did i see there 
talking Tampa Theater. Tampa Theater. Yeah. Wealthy people at softer shows are fucking annoying. <laughs> I want to go upstairs and beat the shit out of every surgeon that's heckling, you yeah, know, Iron yeah, and Wine or Jeff yeah, Tweedy. Yeah. I just like. Well, I, I heckled Iron and Wine the first time he played in did you? at the old Orpheum. And that was before Will and I knew each other. And he, Will was wanting to beat my ass that night. We didn't find that out until years and years later. <laughs> well, coming from more of a punk metal sensibility, yeah. I mean, yeah, you yeah. can do whatever you want at Slayer. You're yeah, not going to yeah. fucking hear it. For sure. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, Jeff Tweedy, you know, is like calling out Wilco songs and all this other stuff. And, you know, both him and CMB, they're sardonic and yeah, yeah, they'll kind of give sure. it back. But I was getting so frustrated at both those shows. Yeah, it's yeah. like, these people don't know how to act. They don't know. Right, how to, right, right. But I guess that's. I, maybe I'm just becoming an old man. No, I, I mean, I would agree with that, even though I've participated in that behavior, like sure. being an asshole at the show. I've yeah. done that in the past and I, I own up to it. Yeah. I don't do that much anymore. <laughs> so do you think, do you, do you, do you, are you sold on maybe a, a destination venue being the thing? Or? Um, I, I think it's more than that. I, I really do. I think, you know, um, cause the music's here. The music is here. The talent is here. And, you know, we, we've kind of historically lost talent to New York City and Austin and Nashville. Like the people that really want to make something happen have to leave because the resources aren't here. The resources in scene, like Skipper's is closing down. That right. was a big thing. WMNF hasn't been able to do heat wave and, and represent that many local acts on a regular basis as they used to do. Like the business models of that has changed and, you know, there's just not enough money in it these days in the live music experience. And it's unfortunate because I met people that used to play Gasoline Alley in the seventies yeah. or eighties or whenever it was like way before I ever moved here. And they were making basically the same that we're able to make now playing much bigger venues this many years later. Right. Like say a thousand dollars is the number you can make. You were making that on the beach 30 years ago. Yeah. That might be what a really good band would draw at a, pretty big show right you know like yeah. how, do, how does that become something that has social and and community significance well and, and, and there's not somebody pissing away vinic money on right. the venue and and allowing shows to be lost leaders in order to establish that type of scene well and i wonder too like can you can you can you buy it or you know can you can you pay for it well you build it and they'll come yeah I mean, Cause I mean, you look at the different scenes and very few of them had a benefactor. Well, they were just happenstance. The, what are the guys' names that just opened up the studio in Ybor City? I think, uh, Matt Reisinger works out of there and Sammy Hughes works out of there. Um, it's like a video audio production studio. Yeah. It's going to be a venue space or something like they're in the heart of Ybor City trying to make something happen. And then COVID hits and now people can't even come around and hang out at the studio. Right. right. And they can't have backyard barbecues at the place that's right around the corner from the entertainment district. Right. You know? Although the, the city beating up Ybor city over the, or the re regulations yeah, beating yeah. up venue owners and all that kind of stuff. Like it's, there's a lot of stuff in the way of this utopian scene being able to happen, but it really comes down to resources. Yeah. And I think if, if what, what Tom is fighting for can happen on some level and then people can see the impact of those resources put in the right place and managed by people like Tom and by people at the, like at the basement East and by, you know, these legendary venues that make up this touring network, then there's an opportunity to bring people down to uh, down here. Yeah. A lot of bands don't come to Florida. Well, it's that little just dangling. Don't. I mean, I, I can show you on the map where 
bands come and, and big bands from Europe fly into Miami, get on the highway and then yeah. go to Atlanta. Yeah. They typically don't stop. Yeah. It's, a, it's a weird, it's a That's weird. That's other part of the business I know pretty well, the promoting and the touring and the routing and stuff. Well, and yeah. Just, as, a, as a fan of the Minutemen and Black Flag and, you know, hearing how they kind of <laughs> built their own tour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's true. I've, t- t- Tom's taught me a lot about that. Like you kind of, you kind of have to have things close enough for each other that it makes it worth people kind of continuing right, right. down that yeah, yeah. little. We, we were just talking about this last night. I had a Facebook memory come up the other day and I posted up with great excitement that we had just filled up for $3 and seven cents a gallon. Yeah. This is when it was like three sixty, three seven. Right. out West. It was in the four, four and a half a gallon. And we were touring through all of that and just, Pissing away money in every single town yeah. just buying gas yeah. and just paying $120 a night for a hotel. Like there's not a whole lot to bring back home. Right. The only reason we were able to tour is because we do pretty well down here. We people drink when they come to our yeah. shows. So we make pretty decent money for a local band and we would take that money and spend it at gas stations across the country. Yeah. Now it's two dollars a gallon again. If we were if things were open and we were able to tour, there's there is an opportunity. An argument for but it. But there's yeah. got to be venues. Like right. The, ultimately there's that 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 distribution network of of this talent has to exist. And there's got to be a draw for all of that talent to come here. Right. Yeah. Well, maybe next year around this time you'll agree to come back on and we can kind of yeah, look we back get, and uh, Kelly Yellowshed, get her. Please, I, I I recruit I, I, <laughs> I recruit anybody that comes on to send me people because I'm I, I've got a you know ravenous appetite for hearing the stories and listening to the music yeah. and understanding Same. it better. And, um, but yeah, I, I started this part too, wanting to talk about Will. Um, we've been playing a bunch over on and off through this entire fifteen p- year period, and uh, we finally got a pretty rad band together and we're getting ready to start booking shows too and i wanted to just give him and the they call themselves the power bottom you, you know sean pomeroy and adam reback i don't think so they, no. they also play power in, bottom. <laughs> that's it's, it's their sure. rhythms their rhythm section they yeah, play, yeah. they're it's in, a great great like, band of sorrow turn of and, phrase yeah you know, um they're 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 booking shows and promote promoting and producing stuff and uh so they're they're, they're the rhythm section and you know we're we're ready to get back and, and play in shows too. So that's the thing. If I can fill up my calendar, I'm a, I'm a happy man. Happy man. <laughs> you know, you got to get those, get those multiple streams of opportunities. That come well, I, I, I look forward to seeing what the next year holds from you. I'm sure it's going to, it's going to go the way it needs to. I mean, the, the great thing about art is it survived yeah. darker times than these, yeah, right. you know? So yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the one thing that kind of carries me through is if it can get through, <laughs> you know, Auschwitz, if it could get through right, the yeah, Roman yeah. empire, if it uh-huh. can get, you know, it can get through COVID, but yeah. Um, yeah. anyway, thank you again so yeah, much. Yeah. Uh, great you. interview. Good talk with you. I really love your guys' music. And I, uh, please, if you listen to this show and haven't heard of them, check them out this weekend. It's a great soundtrack to your weekend. All right. Thanks yeah. again, Josh. Take I'll talk to you.